Hey, guess what, guess what? K-Shed Uncuffed is back. I thought I'd throw a little combo intro action at you. You know, uh, some knucklehead up there beatboxing, uh, thinking he's part of the fat boys back in the days and stuff. And then um, I threw that in there. And then our trademark antenna intro that lets people know K-Shed has just walked into the room. He's sitting right next to me. Actually, he's right here doing the talking and all that stuff. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's great to be back. I'll tell you what, I've been wanting to do another episode for a long time, but man, it's been like super, super busy. Uh, we've been busting our butts to try to get our feature film, I Was Finest, ready to finally be shot. Um, there's a lot of work that comes with that, uh, getting, the, getting the film ready, but uh, the process has been... Uh, fun, uh, but uh, highly involved and all that stuff uh, still the same. But, um, you know, it's good to be back. I uh, hope everybody's been doing well. Uh, I got K-Shed merchandise out there that's available to all those who've been supporting the, the podcast and stuff, um, you know, and it just, it's, it's very uh, reassuring that, um, you know, we keep at this. This thing's going to blow up. And we're gonna keep reaching out. The advantage of this show is is it's not really to you know uh, stir up anything. It's just really just to kind of like uh, help people. Just kind of like say, hey, you know what? It's okay uh, being a good person. You know, um, you know it really is. I mean, no one really has to go out in their days just wanting to be evil and just wanting to you know backstab people and all that stuff. I mean, you know, maybe it's a uh, it's it's a Midwestern thing. Um, I don't remember the Midwest being as kind of like, uh, uh, you know, everybody against everybody as it kind of feels like sometimes down here in California. I mean, California is a high-paced, fast-paced uh, place, crazy amount of people. Yeah, I get it and all that stuff, but you know, I mean, um, uh, you know, I've always I've always uh, lived by the adage of loving when people do good things and when they accomplish their goals and stuff. I remember running track in college um, and, you know, we would, you know, I had some speed on me, I guess. And if I ran the, like the 200 or something like that, I remember being at the Kansas Relays um, and, and won the 200 and we got these cool uh, Kansas Jayhawk uh, watches. They're just really kind of, they weren't Rolexes or nothing like that, but they just were kind of shiny and kind of, you know, I mean, a really cool design to it. Um, and I was just like, okay, cool. Uh, the guys was like, let me see your watch. And it was, uh, they were all happy for me. Um, and I just said, okay, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, but the watch that looked exactly the same as that one that I loved and jumped for joy about was the one I won when I was part of the Sprint Medley Relay. Um, that was a fantastic race. Uh, from what I remember, it was two of us running the 200 first. And then I can't remember who ran the 400. But there's this one cat who uh, just, just, I, I can't even remember his name either. That was like 30 plus years ago, but he ran the 800 and it was such a tight race. And he 
he uh, brought it home in the last like 10 meters and stuff and almost killed himself doing it. But And we were so like exuberant and just jumping up and down. It was so exciting. We were all hugging each other. It was just great. And I love that watch. When I got it to the house, I put it up on my little, uh, you know, uh, mantle in my room or whatever and just kept it there because that stood out to me more than anything it was the it was the team effort that brought that watch uh, to me and I'm all about the team I hate people who are like selfish and just all about themselves hate them oh man I wish there was uh, some type of uh you know uh, place to um you know put those people to be honest with you I can't think of a Nicer way to say it, uh, they just bring too much evil to a world that's already tough anyway. Um, but people who are all about themselves are just, just y'all stay away from me, put it that way. Uh, but uh, Case Yet Uncuffed, this episode was created for a very special reason. I wanted to pay homage to a fine young gentleman, uh, police officer who I had the pleasure of working with, Mr. Jeremy Rocha. Um, you know, I saw a, a photo uh, of him where he's at work and he's talking a gentleman down off of a pole um, who was uh, suicidal. And if you look at this photo, it's it's so intense because you can only see parts of the guy's legs. You can you can kind of tell he's you know not in the best of uh, places in the world. You know, dirty socks and you know, uh, just you, you, and if you read the caption, I believe it says that he's a transient homeless person who just kind of had a bad day and he tied himself on top of this utility pole and um, refused to come down. He was, you know, contemplating suicide. And um, those calls happen more than I think anybody could imagine who hasn't been a police officer before. And, um, and they're very intense calls, you know. I mean, you it, it could go either way when you're having someone when you're dealing with someone who's having an episode like this. And so, I'm looking at this photo. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's it's a beautiful photo. Uh, my guy Jeremy um, has his hair all slicked back, but who cares? That's not that's not why he's in it there at that moment. He has his eyes transfixed, even though you can't see him. Um, on uh, the the gentleman looking up there, his arms are outstretched, and you can you can one hundred percent, especially when you know how Jeremy operates, he's doing everything he can to plead with this guy. Please don't give up hope. Everything can be worked out. Just please, just trust me. Come on down, and we'll take care of you. Um, I'm looking at this photo, and I've I've had so many different calls with Jeremy, and I've stood by and watched him use the the, the magical word of his voice. Um, uh, to talk people into just, just you know, I mean, believing in them and and um, giving them, giving whatever the the situation is, a second thought, and then they're like, okay, I thank you for everything you've done, and um, I, from what I'm understanding, they they were talking to this guy for over an hour, and I'm sure there was the, you know, the scene had to have been just so so chaotic. You have to have. Uh, fire trucks, uh, you know, ambulances all around, just staged and ready because you just you just don't know what could happen. Uh, these are these are su such dangerous situations because, if, like, say if this person uh, was really really determined to take himself out, 
But um, at the same time, he wants to take out somebody else with him. The police officer is is kind of like in a tough spot. Uh, if you look at this photo, um, it's hard to know, to um, talk down somebody from the other side of the bushes or a wall or whatever. Um, you know, so you're kind of exposed out there, and you're dependent on. Uh, like say your other officers to 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 watch your back um, just in case this person has some type of hidden weapon and um, you know I mean uh, it doesn't I mean it's very rare that that would happen but it, it does happen all the same I mean you read so many stories that of an officer trying to sit down and next to a suicidal person and having a good old conversation and all of a sudden the dude pulls out a gun and, and shoots the officer in the head um, you know it's it's one of the true dangers of being a police officer. And, um, you know, I'm so proud of him for what he's done and what he's been doing for 21 plus years um, at the police department. And um, he handles every call uh, with with the same amount of attention um, uh, and focus as if he's dealing with a family member on each call. He really genuinely wants to that person to be OK and to kind of resolve the the situation with as little uh, craziness as possible. You know, um, he's, uh, I remember Jeremy Rocha um, uh, back with, when I was in the academy, um, it was me, um, uh, Dan Nimi, and um, two other academy uh, cadets from, uh, I believe, the county. And one of them uh, knew Jeremy, so they asked, they asked him if he could help us uh, prepare for uh, scenarios that were coming up. Um, and um, Jeremy took time out of his day. And I remember we were at the police department and Jeremy came in and he, I'm just like, who, man, this dude, look at this guy. He's like, like the perfect prototypical police officer, man. He was funny. He was smiling. He was just a warm ball of energy. And he, you could tell he was very focused on helping us out. Uh, you know, just making sure we were, he was there to answer any questions we may have. And, you know, and, uh, and he really made us feel a part of the department already, even though we were still grinding out there at the academy. Um, you know, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, because if you look at this kid, you know, he, he has the chance to kind of do the good old boy thing, take that good old boy route. And uh, thankfully, he has chosen not to do that. Uh, he treats people fairly, everybody did the same way until you actually do something to, to you know, uh, you know, disrespect him or whatever, then, then obviously, he's going to take care of business. But he goes into every situation on a daily of treating people with respect. And, um, you know, I get emotional when I look at this photo, uh, you know, because my man was out there doing his job the way every police officer swears to do it. And he's been doing it like that for 21 plus years. And um, I wanted to do a, sh a show dedicated to him um, because uh, uh, I miss those days. When I see photos like this, I'm all wrinkly and retired now. But, uh, you know, I, it just, when I see photos like this, it makes me uh, miss being out there, being bonded with them because um, I'm not talking trash here. Uh, but if I look at uh, the, the, the other officer who's with them, who's in the shot, um, unless my eyes are, and my eyes are getting bad, but unless my eyes have gotten really, really bad, um, if I zoom in, it looks, I don't even know who this guy is. I, it doesn't look familiar to me, but um, it looks to me like his eyes are closed. So, um, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm wrong on that one, but it's just the contrast of, of the look. 
uh, Roach is 100% focused and it's and, and so intense you can feel it, uh, what his responsibility is. And then, um, you know, I'll leave it at that. But anyway, uh, that's the thing that I miss is always making sure that, that uh, you know, that the person whose assignment is to lock in and talk to the person who's having a kind of maybe like a mental episode uh, you know, have their back, be ready to pounce if, if the person turns on them and all that stuff and be ready to react. Uh, because, um, if a police officer is wrong out there, it usually ends bad for, for, for them. So, um, I wish all the police officers out there, all the utmost safety, keep doing what you're doing. This world would never survive if it was not for police officers. I don't care what anybody has to say about that. So, um, uh, on this photo, it reminds me, um, because back when I was a youngster, I would have, um, I, what, you know, 13, 14-ish or whatever. I can't remember what photo first started it, but um, I'm sure it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, poster when he was like uh, uh, the Terminator or something like that, or, or, um, or um, Commando or whatever. Uh, I would always see photos that just caught my eye, and I just, just was drawn to it for whatever reason. Um, it, it didn't... There was, it could be a variety of different reasons that I looked at this thing, like, wow, that's super cool. And then I'd cut out that picture from what, usually even out of a magazine, and I'd put it on my wall. And, um, you know, and then before I knew it, I, I, my whole, it wasn't a big section, you know, I mean, you know, it's just picture like a, um, like a picture frame, like a, like an actual uh, picture frame um, size of uh photos, a uh, collage of photos that's all in a circle pattern around that first original photo that I, I, I had. And I would always look at that every day. And something about each one of those photos inspired me. Um, you know, I remember just uh, <laughs> how strange things are. I cut out a picture once of Boomer Esiason. Um, everybody, you know, hopefully still remembers who Boomer Esiason is. Uh, Monday Night Football analyst now. Um, I don't know if it's Monday Night Football, but he's a, a, a you know NFL Sunday analyst, blonde hair. Um, you know, uh, but this was when he played with the the Cincinnati Bengals. So he's in his uniform. He's dropping back, and he has his that trademark left lefty uh, release. But he looks freaking like a badass, you know, and the color scheme, I think, caught me just just that's Boomer Sison anyway. He was super big. He's still super big. Um, just He's just a bigger than life name in the NFL. And just seeing that photo, just in his intensity that he had in his eyes. Like, oh, shoot, I need that photo. I can't even remember. Yeah. So I cut that thing out, put it on the on my wall. Um, there are other photos and stuff too. Some things would be like, there would be like funny, uh, c comic strips <laughs> if, that I'd get from like Mad Magazine. Um, you know, uh, uh there's this one where I remember distinctly I put up there. <laughs> it has like this, uh, uh, cartoon sketch of a big old giant fly. Um, you know, and then he's talking to the waitress. And so at the bottom of it, it says, he's like, you call this shit chowder? I only see two little dingleberries, <laughs> and I would laugh. Uh, it was just the funniest thing the way they said that. Uh, Mad Magazine um, comic writers were just like the best. They would come up with some, some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so back to the Wall of obviously that was on the Wall of Fame, stuff like that. And so um, then there was another photo 
I remember seeing of this wide receiver who played for the Jets, and he's like long and stretched out. He's going all the way up for the uh, uh, for for a pass completion. And he's just jumping off the screen, really. It was crazy. I'm just like, oh my God, that's a cool photo. Green's my favorite color anyway. So everything about that picture was like booming. So I cut that out. And um, the reason why I bring this up is that because that guy in that photo was named Rob Moore. Um, and so I cut out photos of these guys like when I was like 14, 15-ish or whatever, 16, I can't remember. But the the funny thing how world the world works is that I actually went on when I went into the NFL I was drafted by the Jets and I ended up playing right next to Rob Moore and the person who was throwing me footballs was Boomer Esiason <laughs> so I was just like what the heck it's so trippy um you know, I mean, memories, man, memories, um, you know, uh, that that wall has since been torn, has been kind of uh, dismantled because um, we had a, a situation at the house uh, where the, the fire or the kitchen caught fire. So there was smoke uh, damage, uh, smoke, uh, uh, you know, throughout the house. And so my mom and dad had um, painters come on in and kind of, um, you know, renovate the house or whatever you call it. And then... Um, uh, they had to take everything down and when I went back when I go back to the house now I'm still mad at them because I look where my a bare spot on the wall where my wall of fame was and it's not there anymore and um, And I don't even know where those photos are. Uh, I would not be surprised if they didn't throw them away and I'd be, oh, you know um, But yeah life life is beautiful and this photo right here. I'm still looking at it my guy Jeremy 100% um, would have gone up there uh, on my wall of fame, you know, um, it's it reminds me a lot of of this call that I remember getting sent to uh, back when I was out in the streets and stuff. Um, uh, you know, right before I went into become a detective, one of the last calls I remember going to as a patrol officer was uh, a call similar to this one that Ro that Officer Rocher was sent to. Um, basically, but this one this was a ascertain the welfare call. Uh, about a, a Navy SEAL guy who had who um, lived in our city, lived in San Leandro, called his uh, former commanding officer who was based out in Hawaii and just sounded just like uh, made some statements that really had the, the guy in Hawaii uh, very concerned. Um, he knew that the, that, the, the, that the guy had just uh, been, you know, uh, retired from the, or been released, or however you would say it. I don't know exactly the situation, but he was no longer in the Navy SEALs. And um, as you would imagine, any, uh, you know, those poor soldiers who goes from those type of lifestyles and stuff and environments, uh, it's not easy to get acclimated into the real world again. For for a variety of reasons, and and none of them are are fair uh, uh, for the uh, for the former uh, servicemen and women, um, but it's it's the reality of it all. It takes it takes them a moment to kind of like get all settled in, find a job, and all that stuff, and um, that's what the part of the details were when we got sent to this call uh, with him. And so you could just kind of read it and saying that he's kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of in a tough spot. Uh, finances aren't the best. Uh, trying to get a hold of the VA. VA is not able to kind of uh, get his uh, benefits all going. So he's really struggling uh, to, you know, on a daily. So we go down there. 
I'm the primary officer. Um, you know, we try to place a call in there, have him come out. He doesn't, or no one answers and stuff. So, um, uh, you know, we had like three officers with us. So, uh, obviously it's a concern. You hear somebody, you know, of that nature, you know, the, the, the possibility obviously of them having guns is, is, is concerned. So, I mean, we would obviously approach the house very cautiously and safely. Um, but at the same time, we have to check on this gentleman too. So when we can't get a hold of him on the phone, um, you know, some people would have just said, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, we, he's not there. Uh, we'll, let's go on to, let's clear this. So yeah, you can do that, but I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's part of your job description is to go as far as you can to, um, you know, I learned that from uh, Sergeant Ryan Gill, uh, who stresses that highly, is to go very much above and beyond you can for the for the citizens you know um he he believes in that uh i started you know taking that under my belt as well um even though i was doing that anyway but i mean um you know his the way sergeant gill talks and does things is on a whole nother level you know he's he lives by that um so if if you keep stuff like that in mind you're gonna do a little bit more than just place a phone call to the person and if they can't get a hold of them, you're gonna, you know, kind of cautiously walk up to the house and look around like maybe he's outside in the back, you know, and let's let's try to make contact with this guy. So I remember, uh, you know, a couple of us went to the back, the other one went to the sides and stuff. One rang the doorbell, no answer. Uh, but we ended up seeing him um, in the back room and we knocked on the door, got his attention and he was like kind of already standoffish. Who's that? And it was just like, what's the police? What's the police? Um, and we're just like, Hey, yeah, we got a call. We, we just want to check on you make sure you're okay. And, um, I have to be honest, it was kind of a, um, kind of a nerve wracking type feeling because the look that he had in his eyes was really kind of strange. You just really didn't know. It was almost like a kind of a thousand mile stare, but he was more, he was curious too. Like, why are these police officers out in front of my house? You know? So, uh, we talked to him a little bit through the door. Uh, he just seemed like he was kind of hesitant. Why are you guys here? You know, maybe thought that he was in trouble or something like that, which he definitely wasn't. We were trying to say, we just have to make sure you're okay. Um, so finally he comes out and he's uh sits on the porch but he sits in a way that's like like um he's uh, uh i can't even explain it but he's he's ready to lunge if he needs to if if he says to himself oh these cops aren't friendly um they're here to take me in or something i don't know he was ready to fight and um so we kept our distance like no no we're we're just we just want to make sure you're okay and some of his answers just weren't clear uh that would make a police officer feel yeah this guy's fine he just he wasn't all the way there so finally as we're talking to him he's opening up just a little bit uh, you know gradually and all that stuff and i felt i was getting this really good rapport with him and i'm feeling good about myself i really am because it you know i mean I'm a, I love Navy SEALs, man. I mean, imagine what these guys have to go through. Um, one of my good friends is a former uh, Navy SEAL and just hearing his stories, just, uh, I feel bad for the guy um, because he struggled coming back uh, into society too. And um, I think that's what was weighing in my head is like, well, you know what? I saw what my, fr what my former friend, uh, Navy SEAL friend 
had to go through. Um, I don't want to just just half do this. I really want to make sure this guy's okay. So I was really trying to talk to him and I thought we were connecting. Then all of a sudden, uh, I'm not going to mention the sergeant's name, but um, uh, sergeant comes up. He's like, um, is there anybody else in the house? Uh, no, it's just him. He's like, okay, then we're done here. I'm just like, but he's talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 we're, we're done. We're, uh, let's clear the scene. And he's like, because I think we're going to make him more mad than he needs to. And then we got a, a crazy situation and stuff. And okay, for liability purposes and just kind of like to make sure that we weren't causing more problems than what we needed to. I understand that, obviously. And then obviously he's my superior officer. So uh, yeah, he's my supervisor. So yeah, we have to break down the scene and then we left. So, um, but I could not sleep at all that night. Uh, I had this horrible feeling in my stomach. I'm just like, I just didn't feel like I did my job very well that day. You know, I mean, um, uh, cops put a lot of pride in their, in their product. And for me, you know, I mean, I've, I've gone, I've gone so far from my little young rookie cop days to, you know, being out on my own and, and getting into all kinds of stupid st situations and just kind of like, a, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I remember back when I first started out, man, and that was my joke. I would get in so much trouble <laughs> doing stuff, you know, not uh, bad stuff, just kind of like forgetting, leaving my laptop uh, computer uh, in the outside and stuff. And then one of the other supervisors finds it and then I get in trouble and then... Uh, then uh, I, the next day, or I'll do the same thing or whatever, or something like that. And then the same supervisor calls me in the office. He's like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I thought we fixed this yesterday. <laughs> and so I was just, uh, just stuff like that, you know, poor decision making on some calls and stuff like that. But just being raw, you know, hey, I mean, I, I came from a kind of like a Viking era type uh, job description, man, where your job is to go out there and blast whoever you can and get that that um, gold object out of their hand and grab it and take it and run the other direction. So there's not very many rules when it comes to that, you know, just as just, you know, run and fight as hard as you can. So it's a little bit of a difference when you have to obviously slow things down be uh, very aware of everything because of the the you know the responsibility that comes with this job and all that stuff. But I would always uh, la uh, make people laugh by saying, um, uh, back my back in those days, I could literally walk from outside where we park our cars through the um, the parking lot area where we where the cars are, um, through the sidewalks and into the building around the corner, uh, down the stairs if I'm coming from that way, and then around into the sergeant's office uh, with my eyes closed because it was always like, uh, Shed, get your car ready and then come see me in my office. <laughs> so uh, so thankfully, obviously, I, I, I grew all that stuff and turned things around and turned into a pretty dang good cop. Um, but there's only one person who believes that, and that's just me. Um, so anyway, um, but I did put a lot of pride in my product. And, um, you know, so I wanted to be there for this guy and... Um, and and I wasn't. So uh, later that night, I just was like, God dang. I mean, you know, made me think about like, uh, you know, my my other buddy, Navy SEAL buddy. I'm just like, I would have hated to see the police officers show up and him needing help. And that's what they did is just kind of walk away with really doing nothing. So the next morning, um, I, you know, got a rounded up a couple officers and I got permission, obviously from my supervisor at that time 
to go uh, go back down to that house. And one of the officers who went me was who went with us was a former uh, serviceman himself. So um, we I gave him the quick rundown, the situation. Everybody was just kind of like uh, kind of knew what the objective would be. Uh, now we go down there, and if the guy just says "f off," all right, then we're out. But uh, just something seemed like it wasn't quite resolved. So we go down there. Again, we get his attention. He comes out and he's a slightly different and he's not as defiant this time. And, and it was a different type of, re, type of a response that he kind of gave us. He comes back outside and now he's not all scrunched down like, a, like somebody's about to launch, you know, launch an attack. Now he's literally sitting down and um, uh, just kind of like slumping a little bit. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, so yeah, the, my commanding officer called you guys, huh? And he's like, yeah, we just want to make sure you're, you're okay. And I can remember the moment like it was yesterday. He tried to talk, he got choked up, and then he broke down crying. He was very upset because uh, he had no money, he, could, he couldn't get hired uh, anywhere just yet. Um, the VA was not able to get his benefits to him, so he literally had no money, and he had a, his, his service dog or whatever, his dog uh, was, was the only thing with him, and he could not even get food for, or the last bit of food that he had, he gave to his dog. That's how, that's how rough the situation was. And just seeing this, and he was a gigantic dude anyway, just, just seeing this, this grown man with those type of muscles and just that, 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 you know, that much, uh, history in the world, uh, break down in tears, just kind of just like broke me down. I'm so, oh my God, wow, we have to help this guy. And, um, we told him, we, we said, dude, we got you. And just like that, uh, we all broke off. We huddled right quick. Okay, how can we help him? Um, one of us went to the station and rounded up from all the some of the other officers cash, and we were we were able to get him like like four hundred dollars uh, cash. One of the other officers um, uh, went to the Davis Street Resource Center. And got like uh, it's you know it's a place where the they have uh, resources for uh, families and stuff in need. He got uh, our, our Navy SEAL guy like three bags of groceries with all the things you would need, uh, cans of food for the dog, uh, everything, just bread, everything that you could think of that could kind of get him going. Um, and then the other officer uh, reached out to a buddy of his who has connections to the VA to try to expedite whatever that was going on. Um, and it was the best we handed it to him. <laughs> he cried again, but he, he was, it was such an amazing moment. I can't even put it into words and stuff like that. He gave us hugs. We all shook each other's hands. We all looked at each other in, our, in the eyes and just said, we got you, brother. You're gonna be just fine. And that's all this gentleman needed, really, was that little bit of a uh, little bit of hug from his fellow uh, citizens. And um, he never looked back. He was able to get all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, nice job, all that stuff. I haven't seen him since that day, uh, but I am 100% positive that he went on to do big things in this world. And, um, you know, he has some great stories to tell his grandkids and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully uh, he'll remember police officers 
if um, someone tries to confront the uh, him with the idea that all cops are are crap, um, you know, because I've I've was a cop for twenty plus years, and I don't remember anybody working with anyone whose number one objective was to go out there and cause harm to people. It just it just doesn't work like that. You don't spend seven plus months in the police academy getting your butt handed to you both mentally and physically and just getting broken down uh, it's paramilitary so it's almost like it is like you're in boot camp they, they 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 try to tear you apart um they're cramming your head full of all the laws in the world you know um you know so much responsibility that comes to comes with learning how to be a police officer an efficient one at that um and then you have 16 plus weeks 16 17 weeks of uh, field training when you leave or uh, that much for if you're in the county and then so it's that much time in the jail um, before you go to the streets and stuff so it's a lot that comes with it and it takes like they say four to five years to even start feeling comfortable out there because you you have to you haven't experienced everything in that short a time so it takes about five five or so plus years to really kind of uh, come into your own. So, uh, you know, no one's going to s throw all that stuff away on purpose. Like that was their original plan is to go and learn all this stuff, go through all that stuff just to cause harm out there in the streets. Um, you know, so I, I, I will, I, I would fight anybody on that one, whoever tries to, tries to do that. But I also, I know when, uh, co uh, cops make the wrong decisions and they do the wrong thing too, as well. So I will definitely, uh, call them out. But I can tell you what, as long as uh, we have police officers like uh, Jeremy Rocha um, and some of the other officers who came in around that same time as Jeremy did and, uh, uh, you know, who, who um, you know, are unselfish and they do everything they can with pride out there in the streets, you know, I mean, there's not every, there's no one's going to be the perfect police officer who does all the right things. And, you know, I mean, according to what the, the higher ups, I guess, would, would want, but everybody has their own styles and, um, you know, they can only kind of do what they can do out there as safely as possible, as efficiently as possible, uh, with all the good intentions that comes with, uh, that, that badge. Um, so, uh, you know, people should be given everybody who's a police officer to benefit of doubt until they show their true colors. And um, with that, I'm going to um, leave it here, but I'm so looking forward to you guys, uh, um, you know, uh, joining me again on another episode and stuff like that. Uh, we have a lot of good things uh, coming down the pipe. I want to get our uh, guest list going again. And um, I've been in communication with some with some of every uh, some of our listeners uh, via emails too. So that's a really good uh, way to get a hold of me. Uh, I'm at kshedunkuffed at gmail.com. There's a bunch of stuff coming down the pipe. We we got a project going on that I can't wait to tell you guys all about. Um, but the city of San Leandro. Get ready, y'all, because we're gonna be shooting our film I Was Finest in about three months. And I want to use as many San Leandro citizens as, as I can to be a part of this film shoot. Uh, to be probably like 24 or something days of shooting. You're going to know when you see us down there. 
Um, you know, we're gonna have some fun. And if we have anybody who has like any acting aspirations, call your boy up. Let me take care of you, okay? That's what this is about. Uh, our film group was created to take care of those who um, uh, are out here in the Bay and doing everything they can to try to get exposure. Um, let's do this. I'm a movie making guy myself. I love it. It's a fantastic uh, uh, adventure and um, it's only getting better as we go, but we can't do it without you guys and your guys' support. Kay Shed is going to be heading on out with that and um, we'll talk again soon.